All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons, and today we are talking about the impending hire of Terry Fontenot as the Falcons general manager, whether the team should make a trade for Deshaun Watson, and whether trading back into the first round makes a lot of sense. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. I've been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com. RIP, still going strong on Twitter, at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this preeminent Lockdown Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is one in which we are sort of talking about sort of the timeline for when the Falcons will officially hire Terry Fontenot and sort of revisiting that now that the saints are officially eliminated from the postseason and catching you guys up on the news. As far as that goes, then we will get into a listener question about whether or not the Falcons should make a play for Deshaun Watson. It's been a, a large portion of today's episode talking about whether that makes sense for the Falcons. And then towards the end of the episode, you guys sent in some hot takes yesterday, or I'm sorry, last week when I did my Hot Take Tuesday episode, and I, I want to react to some of those hot takes that you did in response, and we'll see how hot those takes are, um, including one, whether or not the Falcons should be looking to trade back far into the first round uh, of the draft, into the latter part of the first round. And without further ado, let's sort of get into that uh, lead story talking about Terry Fontenot and particularly focusing on sort of what the plan is moving forward with him and Arthur Smith as uh, general manager and head coach. So nothing is official as of Monday morning in terms of the Falcons decision to hire New Orleans Saints assistant general manager Terry Fontenot as their general manager. Although all reports during the last week and over the weekend strongly suggest that it is virtually a done deal once the Saints were eliminated from the playoffs, which occurred on Sunday night in the divisional playoff loss of the Tampa Bay Bucks. But we'll have to see if things develop later in the week. Dan Campbell, the Saints tight ends coach, who various reports indicate will be the next head coach of the Detroit Lions, won't officially become their coach until Wednesday or later due to exit interviews with various Saints players, according to NFL Network. Along those same lines, it's certainly possible that Fontenot has things to wrap up in New Orleans before he will officially be announced as the Falcons general manager. Now, if you missed our breakdown of what Fontenot is potentially bringing to the table, I highly recommend going back and listening listening to last Thursday's episode where we went through the ins and outs of his record, as well as discussing the tendencies of the saints as an organization in terms of their off season decision-making revolving around free agency, the draft and salary cap management. The too long didn't listen version of that was that the saints under general manager, Mickey Loomis and head coach Sean Payton tended to be very aggressive, whether that be seeing in how, proactive they were in terms of freeing up cap space and bringing in veterans in free agency, their frequent decisions to trade up in the draft for various prospects, even if it meant giving up premium draft picks the following year. The argument, of course, could be that the Saints were so aggressive with their offseason approach in large part due to the increasing age of quarterback Drew Brees, who various reports believe will now retire now that the Saints season is over. They were seemingly all in in trying to get another Super Bowl ring, given the light at the end of the tunnel for Breeze's career. 
And while it would be easy to assume that the Falcons could adopt a similar approach as the Saints, given that quarterback Matt Ryan and wide receiver Julio Jones aren't spring chickens anymore, it would also make sense for the team to potentially go in the opposite direction and take an approach that instead of sacrificing long-term gains for short-term success, instead sacrifices short-term gains for long-term success. Time of course will tell on that end, but at least on paper, the hires of Terry Fontenot at general manager and Arthur Smith as the Falcons next head coach seem to suggest that the team is looking to build off of the Falcons roster as it is currently constructed for Fontenot for the aforementioned Rishans and with Smith, the fact that he had a lot of success winning with a veteran quarterback like Ryan Tannehill the past two years with the Tennessee Titans. So that instead of a hard reset on the Falcons roster to build for the future, they will try to strike a balance between short-term gains of winning now while also trying to build towards that future. So guys, there's your Locked On Falcons lead story. We're going to continue today's episode by talking about whether or not the Falcons should be entertaining the possibility, as I'm sure many teams are entertaining, whether or not they should pick up the phone and call the Houston Texans and say, hey, man, are you really going to trade Deshaun Watson? And we'll get into that later on today's episode. But before we get there, you know, the lines are set for the championship round of the postseason and there's only one place that has you covered one place i trust that's betonline.ag sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag use the promo code locked on for a 50 percent welcome bonus the packers are favored by four points against the bucks the chiefs are favored by three points against the bills they even have the line set for the four different possible super bowl matchups if you're feeling particularly lucky the odds to win the super bowl are set as of this recording the packers have the slightest of edges over the chiefs in that regard which i imagine has everything to do with Patrick Mahomes' injury, and thus you can get a little bit of value on the Chiefs' bet to win it all right now, but only if you go to betonline.ag right now. Make sure you use that promo code Locked On to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So we're going to be talking about whether the Falcons could win the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. But speaking of winning, let's talk about the run that my guy Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports has been on. And you can take advantage of Lee's winning streak by subscribing to the Locked on Bets podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So we have a question from Stephen Bounds at Stephen Bounds on Twitter. I know it's not going to happen, but would it even be possible for the Falcons to trade for Deshaun Watson? How might a trade look involving Ryan in the fourth pick? Um, so I will get to proposing a trade later, but for those of you that have been living under a rock, basically there has been increasing chatter, um, even ESPN going as far as saying it's possible that Deshaun Watson has played his final game, uh, in Houston over the weekend, but there's increasing chatter that Deshaun Watson is going to try to force his way out of Houston, given how thoroughly the Texans have botched his coaching search, which again, goes back to the points I was making you know, over a month ago when people were worried about Rich McKay, I feel like, you know, that was much ado about nothing, especially when you compare it to what's the situation with uh, Jack Easterby, a.k.a. Littlefinger uh, in Houston. But, you know, I think there are certainly pros and cons to the Falcons potentially trading for Deshaun Watson. I think the biggest pro is that you're getting one of the top quarterbacks in the league about to be entering his prime. He's only age 25. He'll turn, I think, 26 in September. You compare that to Matt Ryan, who's going to turn 36 in May. So you're essentially going to get 10 more years of of Watson's prime, um, which is very alluring. I think the cons of potentially trading is the price that you're going to have to pay in terms of draft capital, which is going to hinder your ability to surround Deshaun Watson, even after you trade him, with premium talent to maximize, presumably, 
three out of those 10 seasons that you're hoping to have with him. You know, generally, as you guys well know, my philosophy is more about accumulating draft assets than giving them away uh, because I'm a big believer that the more at bats you have, the more hits you can make. And so it's that sort of philosophy. Um, But a lot depends on what the price tag is going to be for Deshaun Watson. Uh, And so it's hard to really say definitively where I stand on that without knowing what that price tag is going to be. But you hear a lot of people speculating that at a minimum, it's going to require three first round picks. I even saw Ben Albright say that three first three seconds in a player. And I know some people will sit here and say like, that's crazy. What, you know, Deshaun Watson's not that good, but I, I do think it's one of those things where we could be potentially in a, in a scenario where this could be the biggest trade since the Herschel Walker trade. Um, which I think it involved like three firsts and, and three seconds and like five or six players. But, you know, you certainly could question whether Watson is worth that or really worth whether any player is worth that type of value. But we know that that's, you know, you get what you get. The the price is worth whatever the market says it is. And, you know, eight years ago, the market said that RG3 was worth three first round picks and he wasn't even the best quarterback in, in, his, draft, in his draft class behind Andrew Luck. And ultimately we saw with Russell Wilson as well. And we didn't even know if RG three was going to be good because he was a rookie. And, uh, you know, we know that Watson is good. So I feel like, yeah, the starting point is probably three first and, and, and probably significantly more than that. But in general, I would say, do I think the Falcons should trade for Deshaun Watson? I would say no. I would be hesitant to make that trade. And the big reasons are for the same reasons why I have been in the past and continue to be critical of the Julio Jones trade. Uh, the sort of the short version is that at the time of that trade, I was very critical because I think the Falcons gave up too much. My stance since is a little bit more nuanced. I think that trade gave the Falcons some pros. I think it gave them some cons. It's both a good and bad trade. I think the good of it was the short-term gains that Julio Jones gave to the roster and really helped re- that team reach a new level in the postseason in particular, especially in that 2012 season. I think the cons are sort of the long-term loss in terms of the picks that you lost severely undermining the talent that you had on team. And I think that directly led to the team's struggles in 2013 through 2015. I feel like not only did the Falcons lose out on the talent that they gave up with the picks that they gave up those first, those second, those fourth round picks, but it really shrunk their margin for error when the, with the picks that they actually kept. So they really couldn't afford to whiff on players as they did with guys like Akeem Dent and Peter Collins and Lamar Holmes in those 2011, 2012 drafts. And then you combine that with the, the net loss of talent that the Falcons had when they lost a bunch of players in free agency from 2011 and, and onward, like Harvey Dahl and, and Curtis Loft and Vance Walker, Corey Peters and Brent Grimes. And then you talk about the, aging out of players like an Ovi Mahaley, a Michael Turner, a Roddy White, a Todd McClure, Tyson Claybo, John Abraham, Tony Gonzalez, etc. And then you couple that with the addition of the Falcons not being able to compensate that loss of talent with good free agent signings. And we saw in 2011 where they kind of whiffed with Ray Edwards in 2012, their two biggest free agent signings were Lofa Tutupu and Vince Manawai. Neither of those guys played a snap for the team. 2013 was O.C.U. Manure and Steven Jackson. 2014 was Tyson Jackson, John Samoa, and, and Paul Solii. And you basically had four years where it was just a massive net loss of talent. And the Falcons just did not do an adequate job replacing that talent. And, you know, I, I feel like there is an alternate universe that we have yet to discover, but it's out there somewhere in this infinite, 
infinite multiverse where the Falcons did trade for Julio Jones and did do a better job picking better players in the draft, did a better job picking players in free agency and, or letting the right player, keeping the right players and, and letting other players walk um, and doing a better job managing their salary cap and all these various things. And while they probably did see a dip in 2013 through 2015, that dip was probably not as significant as we saw in our reality, where in, instead you saw probably one or more of those years where the Falcons were still a, had winning records and, and or made the playoffs in those years and probably does not lead to Mike Smith getting fired in those years. So I kind of feel the same way about a proposed Deshaun Watson trade, where I feel like you could make that trade and give up all the things that you need to give up to get him. But if you nail the picks, if you nail free agency, you know, you can probably essentially tread water for two to three years before you start getting those premium picks back and return a normalcy and start to really add that premium talent back to the roster, say in 2024 or so. So I feel like the issue though, is so many things have to go right for that to happen. Your margin for error is so small that you basically can't mess up. And I don't know about you, but like if I was in those shoes, I wouldn't necessarily want to operate without a safety net, knowing what I know about how high a hit rate is typical in the NFL when it comes to picks and and players and free agency and free agents and whatnot. So, you know, you would essentially be putting yourself in a situation where you would have to have the greatest run as a general manager over the next three to five years that arguably anybody has had in the, in the NFL history, or you would have to trust in that you had a coach that even if you did whiff on things that that coach would be able to sort of be able to hide is good enough coach to hide your flaws on the football field. And so if you had a Sean McVay, if you had a Bill Belichick an Andy Reid, a Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, one of these established coaches, has proven coaches and been very successful over the years, I would feel a lot more confident about pulling off that trade than I would sitting here with, if you're the Falcons and you don't know if you have that coach, you hope Arthur Smith is going to be that coach, but certainly there's no reason to assume that he will be or is that coach currently. So I would feel very hesitant in the Falcons situation to make that trade, but I certainly wouldn't begrudge other teams in different situations if they did make that trade, nor would I sit here and say like, Oh, the Falcons, if they did in some scenario, make that trade, they're, Oh, they're crazy for making that trade. Like I get it right. You know, Deshaun Watson is a very intriguing player and uh, you know, securing that would be hopeful, but you know, in for the record, I, I would be highly skeptical of the Falcons really seriously pursuing uh, that sort of trade. But, you know, the teams to me, when I look around the league and I sit here and say like, oh, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for the Falcons. But, you know, if if I'm the Steelers, I think I would definitely have that conversation. If I'm the Rams, I think I would definitely have that conversation. If I'm even the Saints, I think I would have that conversation. Maybe even the Bears, I think I would definitely have that conversation because I would feel like if I'm those teams, you know, whether we're talking about uh, a top 10 defense, a top five defense and, you know, weapons already at your skill position players um, and really feeling like, yeah, we're kind of a quarterback away from really making a a really run back at the Super Bowl or to the Super Bowl. Like I, I feel like those teams, it makes a lot more sense for them to trade for Deshaun Watson. I know the various rumors are saying jets and dolphins. Like, it, I don't know. That just seems weird to me. You know, I, like I, I, again, I get why those teams would do it because you're, you're kind of like, look, we need a, we need a win. <laughs> right. We, you know, we've been so downtrodden for so many years, particularly the jets that we just need any win that we can get and bring hope back to this fan base. But like, yeah, I don't, I don't see why it makes a ton of sense for those teams. But maybe maybe it arguably makes more sense for them than it does the Falcons. But we'll see. So, um, you know, 
Stephen, I do want to answer your question about a actual and propose a trade, and I'll do that uh, coming up as we continue today's uh, Locked On Falcons podcast, as well as talk about the possibility of the Falcons trading back in the draft, and uh, we will get there coming up. But, uh, you know, when you're looking for the best parts to improve your roster, whether you're making big, bold trades, I know you probably wish there was a website out there where you could find the right players at the right price, and that would be easy to do. But, of course, we don't have a website quite like that yet, but there is a website where you can find all the right parts for your car or truck. And of course, that website is rockauto.com. They have everything from engine parts, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new floor mats. Get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And the rockauto.com catalog is unique. It's easy to navigate as you can quickly see all the parts available for your car or truck and choose by brand specification in the price that you prefer. And those prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Just go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you amazing selection. Reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Tuesday, as you guys are listening to this, is Hot Take Tuesday on here, Locked on Falcons. We'll get into some hot takes, but Tuesday is also Team Takeover Tuesday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast, where you can join hosts Trevor Sikama and Ben Solak each week as they pick a new team and take a deep dive into their front office, head coaching moves, roster reviews, free agent strategies, go through a very team-centric mock draft, all the things that I know you guys love about the offseason. And you can find that every Tuesday on the Locked on NFL Draft Podcast. Subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. So going back to Steven's uh, original question about the Falcons trading for Deshaun Watson, you know, here's one proposal. And it's uh, to me, if the Falcons were to pull this off, I think it would have to be like a three team trade, which we haven't really seen. I think since the John Abraham trade in, in 06, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you know, I would imagine a scenario where the Texans Falcons and 49ers are having conversation. And again, I feel like this is like the floor of where this would be like, I feel like there's probably going to be a lot more picks than what I'm about to propose involved if this was really going to happen. But basically the Falcons would have to swap Matt Ryan for Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers and get the 49ers first round pick, which I think is like the 15th overall pick in exchange for Matt Ryan. So Matt Ryan goes to San Francisco and then the Falcons take like that first and Jimmy Garoppolo and trade him to Houston along with like three first of three of their first round picks um, to get Deshaun Watson. So like the final trade would be like, you know, Houston would get four firsts, three from Atlanta, one from San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and the reason why they would take Jimmy Garoppolo is just because he's a little younger than Matt Ryan and they have the Nick Casario new England connection there. So they're familiar with Jimmy and Atlanta would get Deshaun Watson. Maybe they would get like a mid round pick from the 49ers, like the fourth round pick or something like that. The sweet in their pot and San Francisco would get Matt Ryan. And maybe they would get like a late round pick from the Falcons or something like that. And, Probably truth be told, there's probably going to be some seconds and thirds exchanged in the scenario. But like that to me is sort of like the starting point of a potential uh, trade that I would propose uh, if the Falcons were seriously going to try to make a play for Deshaun Watson. So, yeah, they would have to trade Matt Ryan, get something good back from Matt Ryan and then use that to to on top of the three first round picks that they would probably have to give to Houston um, in order to, to make that trade even realistic. So uh, we'll move on to uh, some hot takes from people. If you guys missed last Tuesday's episode, I kind of went on a rant about, I don't know the draft. I can't remember so many rants that I go on. Um, And, you know, I called it a hot take Tuesday, 
Oh, and it was, it was talking about how the Falcons could be a lot more competitive and people were giving him credit for it. That was the bulk of what I was talking about on that episode, which apparently was a hot take based off of what I have seen from people talking about the Falcons um, over the last several weeks. And, you know, some of you guys responded to that by giving me your own hot takes. And I didn't necessarily answer them on previous Q&As. But, uh, you know, this could be a thing that we could do in the future because I know the Draft Dudes podcast does this where they do takes on takes. I think that's on Wednesdays uh, where basically people send in hot takes and then they give their takes on those takes. So uh, this may be a, a regular feature for the offseason. We'll see. But we got I got a couple of takes. The first one comes from Mantis Toboggan, MD at Sebastian's Dad 19. He says, how about this one? Keanu Neal will be a Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, I wouldn't call that a hot take. I feel like that's a pretty good bet. You know, now Dan Quinn's going to be the defensive coordinator in Dallas. I would expect several ex-Falcons to wind up there, Keanu Neal being one of them. Tack McKinley makes a lot of sense. I know that they were interested in Tack McKinley going into that 2017 draft. Instead, wound up getting uh, Taco Charlton when the Falcons leapfrogged them in the draft. Uh, Ricardo Allen, assuming he's going to get cut. Maybe some other players, Darkway. Denard, Stephen Means, you know, Alan Bailey, whoever, you know, so there may be a max exodus, exodus of Falcon free agents to Dallas this offseason. Um, so we'll see how that goes. So our last hot take comes from Bryce Allen 15. Yes. How far is too far to trade back? Um, is Jacksonville's second first round pick and maybe their two second round picks worth the fourth pick and maybe a third or the Dolphins same scenario? So this is what I will say, Bryce. I'm not sure if it makes a ton of sense for either Jacksonville or Miami teams that already have top three picks to trade back into the top five of the draft with the Falcons. Um, but if you're just saying in general where the Miami's second pick is the number 18 pick in the draft and Jacksonville's number 25, if, if, if you're basically asking in general, is it worthwhile for the Falcons to trade back in that range between like picks 18 and 25 or something like that um, from pick four? Uh, my answer is kind of maybe a lot depends on how you feel about this draft class. And at this current juncture, I haven't watched enough guys to really have a strong opinion one way or the other. I would say sort of my initial impression from watching several of the guys at the top is I'm not convinced that this is a great year to be picking in the top 10 unless you're targeting a quarterback. Like otherwise, then I would certainly explore my options of trading back. Um, obviously, I think the Falcons are not quite in that boat because I think they're in the market for a quarterback potentially. Um so basically what I will say is like, if you're picking eight, I'm not sh- convinced that you're going to get a significantly better player than w- if you were picking 18 uh, this year. So ultimately the, for the Falcons, it, it makes sense if they got to figure out what they, what they feel about this quarterback class, right? You know, I think you look at a player like Mac Jones, who a lot of people think will probably be taken somewhere in the middle to late later part of first round. I kind of look at him as like a Kirk cousins type of quarterback in terms of his max potential, which is a guy that, can be a productive quarterback, but you have to have like the right pieces around him. And you don't really look at him as a guy that you feel confident is going to, you know, do much damage in January. You know, I think I look at the other top three, obviously Trevor Lawrence is, is QB one. I think a legit franchise quarterback. Um, But I look at guys like Trey Lance and Zach Wilson and Justin Fields. I feel like those guys have some Lamar Jackson, some Baker Mayfield, some Cam Newton type of potential where I feel like they give you a fighting chance in the postseason. I feel like you can go into a game and feel like this guy's going to be able to make the plays that we need him to make in order to win games. Right? I think that potential is there with those guys. Again, I haven't fully evaluated all these quarterbacks and probably won't until we, by the time we get April. But like I, my initial impression of those guys is that's sort of where my thought process is. And I think you have to ask the question is, do you feel like Matt Ryan is in that latter group of, of quarterbacks or do you feel like he's more closely, you know, 
closer to a Kirk Cousins type where you're just kind of, you know, he's there. He's he's not bad. He's not hurting your chances of winning games, but he's not really elevating your chances of winning games, especially in January, right? And I don't, I'm not convinced that Matt Ryan's ceiling is as high as it once was. Um, and so I feel like if, if you feel like those other quarterbacks, those other three guys, Lance, Wilson, or Fields, and they have considerably higher ceilings and they're available at four, I, I feel like you kind of have to take the quarterback, right, rather than trading back. Um, because essentially – if you trade back, you're you're kind of punting on the quarterback position because the chances of you landing anything more than a long term backup after, you know, where you know, again, I'm assuming Mac Jones is probably gonna go somewhere in the middle of the first round, is is pretty low. And I maybe I would put Kyle Trask in that same tier as well with Mac Jones. So essentially you're you're just settling for a long term backup. You're you're basically looking for a Mason Rudolph as opposed to, you know, a Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott, let's say that. That's a better comparison. Um, or Derek Carr, uh, <laughs> or this, no, but, um, I, I feel like e- even saying that, like, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to sit here and be like, as some people would do and say like, Oh, if the Falcons don't take a quarterback four, they're going to doom their franchise for the next, you know, three to five years or, or more. Um, like I'm not being that melodramatic about it. I think it certainly could work that the Falcons could punt on a quarterback this year and, and still be a very successful team. But I think that team, at least the the team that I'm sitting here envisioning today, is not a team that's leaning heavily on Matt Ryan. Instead, I think it's a situation similar to what you've seen in the Pittsburgh Steelers the last couple of years, where their offense is kind of leaning heavily on Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and their defense, rather than necessarily Ben Roethlisberger. And so, like, I feel like a similar situation where you can put, you know, a Le'Veon Bell, you can, you know, turn Calvin Ridley into an Antonio Brown and then find, find your your Juju Smith-Schuster uh, to replace Julio Jones or whatever the case may be, um, and then build up your defense. And that's a team that can win a lot of games. That's a team that can make the postseason. But I'm not sure that's a team that's really threatening anything beyond the first or second round of the playoffs, very similar to what you look at from a Kirk Cousins led Vikings team, um, or even a Ryan Tannehill Titans team where I I don't necessarily know if Ryan Tannehill has really played at a high level these past Januaries. And you're seeing sort of the ceiling that this Titans team is leaning is pretty much entirely reliant on Derrick Henry and that defense to play at a really high level. If they're really going to make a run, which they got last um, season, last postseason but didn't get this postseason, and thus they were one and done. You know, I wonder if a if you continue to hit your wagon to Matt Ryan, are you going to turn into this team that again may be a very successful regular season team, um, but you you may be wind up in a situation where you're kind of winning. If you're winning in January, you're winning in spite of your quarterback, not because of your quarterback. And my concern is like similar to what you see with a team like Tampa Bay. Where, like, look, no one's going to sit here and say that Tom Brady played poorly this year. He did not. He was definitely playing on a level like a top 10 quarterback. But I don't feel like you're going into any of these postseason games feeling like you have a decisive advantage at the quarterback position. I think, really, we, if you're Tampa Bay, you're like, well, look, we have arguably the best co- core of weapons ar- around a quarterback that any team has in, in the postseason with our wide receivers and our tight ends. You know, we have a, arguably a top five offensive line. We have arguably a top five defense. And that's really our strength is that we can go, we can negate some of those things. And as long as Tom Brady plays well, we'll have an opportunity to win games. But we don't feel like, you know, you're not going to feel like we're really, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the league, 
what we just basically we're going to rely on, you know, going into this NFC Championship game. If you're Tampa Bay, you're going to kind of rely on your defense to shut down Aaron Rodgers in that offense. And if they don't, then you're not going to win that game. Or unless Chris Godwin or Mike Evans or Antonio Brown go off in a major way and drop like 180 yards on that Packers secondary, which I wouldn't say is impossible. Basically, just throw to whoever's not being covered by Jair Alexander and you got a chance there. But like. I don't, I wouldn't look at that team as like, oh, that's a team that's definitely, definitely going to win a Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like that's kind of the ceiling for the Falcons. And basically the argument I'm making is if you don't have the Bucks supporting cast, like the Bucks have around Tom Brady, then you're not even going to come close to that. And so I feel like the difference is with one of these quarterbacks at four – I don't know if you have to rely on having that level of supporting cast down the road. Again, I'm not suggesting that that's going to be the case this year or next year or whatever the case may be, but I'm talking about down the road when, when we get to that quarterback's peak starting around year four, year five, year six, year seven, right? That guy's prime. Are you going to be a better football team with that quarterback than you would be if you basically decide, look, we're punting on the quarterback position for the next three to five years and we're just going to hitch our wagon to Matt Ryan. That's what I'm concerned about. So that to me is, is really the answer to the question. How do you feel about these quarterbacks at four? If you, if you're, if you don't think these quarterbacks are that good to sort of be difference makers in January, that can be the guy. And again, I use Lamar and I use Mayfield and I use Newton. And it's not as if those guys have a, a ton of postseason success as of yet in their careers, but you see the flashes, you see the talent certainly early in their careers. Obviously Cam didn't deliver on that uh, as his career progressed, but I think moving forward, you certainly see the potential with Lamar and Mayfield. I think if you feel like the, one of these young quarterbacks has that potential, then I think you have to pull the trigger on him at four. I, I really do. I just don't think, you know, this is not a knock on Matt Ryan. I just, I don't think you can trust that he's going to, suddenly revert back to his 2016 postseason self and really give you a, a legit fighting chance to, to win a Super Bowl over the next five years. I just don't. I think he can be a good quarterback. Again, I don't think that means that, you know, oh, man, your your organization is doomed or whatever. Like, like there's, there's no harm in being a, a double-digit win team for the next five years in, you know, winning two or three playoff games in that period of time and winning zero Super Bowls. I know that seems blasphemous for a lot of people to say, but like there's no downside to that guys. Like you don't have a Super Bowl win, but you have a good football team. And then, you know, at that point, then you can maybe go out there and get, do what the chiefs did and go and get your Patrick Mahomes that they did after, you know, four or five years of Alex Smith giving them, you know, a playoff team. So I don't feel like that's a terrible place to be. Let me make that clear. Despite sort of saying like, I don't think that's the ideal place to be. So I, I just feel like, you know, you have to evaluate these quarterbacks and, and see if they have that upside. And if they have that upside, then you got to pull the trigger on them. And, and trading back while seemingly will help you put that talent around Matt Ryan that can allow you to be that successful team, I don't think that's in the best case for the Falcons long term, if you, if you get what I'm saying. All right, guys, there's your hot takes or takes on takes or whatever you want to call it. And um, later this week, we'll start our you're in positional reviews, which may be starting tomorrow. I mean, maybe we'll have some news to talk about. It seems like the Falcons are very close to starting to fill out their coaching staff. So we might have some news in addition to that. So I, I definitely want to devote an entire episode to talking about the quarterback position, but maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow and then we'll get into the coaching moves Thursday. Who knows at this point in time. So appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you have any questions that you want to send in any hot takes that you want me to react in, 
um, you know, send them to Locked On Falcons on Twitter, Locked On Falcons on Facebook, or send an email to Locked On Falcons at mail.com. And, and if they're specifically hot takes, then put a hashtag hot take or something like that in, in the tweet or in the email or whatever the case may be so that I know specifically that's what it's meant to be. Uh, so appreciate you guys until then.